I titled the message this morning, I Don't Understand. I Don't Understand. And I think this is an important question that we sometimes need to confront and just admit that there's things that take place in this world that we don't understand. And I have to tell you, there's, there's situations and circumstances that come up that I don't understand. I, I, don't, have to, I don't mind telling you, my, dad, uh, my dad's got mesothelioma. He, he struggles for breath every single day. And you go and sit down and you talk with him and he just, he, you can't talk much because he just gets out of breath. Just talking, he gets out of breath. And I'm thinking to myself, I said, Lord, my daddy has been so good to serve you. My dad served as a deacon for years and years and years. My dad at 69 years old surrendered to preach. Why is my dad having to go and do the struggles that he's having to go through? Any of you ask yourself a question like that? And, and we sometimes say, I don't understand. I don't want to dwell much on it, but I'll have to tell you, Bonnie Shirley was a mystery to me. Great woman of God, great teacher of God, great pianist, great sacrifice in her own personal life. And she had to leave this world early because of cancer. Hmm. I don't understand. Then I think about Sally Womack. And all of the sacrifice that she's made over the years for our church. And, and she's battled cancer two or three times and then she has surgery this week and she has a mastectomy, which she has already had one. And I'm thinking, well, I praise God that we have doctors and facilities that take care of that. And she had the surgery. Why did she have to go back and surgery the second time? I didn't understand that. There's some things sometimes we don't understand. So this morning, this is, this is my goal, okay? I want to look at the Scriptures, and I want us to help us understand a little bit why these things go on around us. Not just because they affect other people, but listen, they affect you and I. They, they, it's affecting everyone around here, okay? Now, the conclusion, I want to read a verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, that gives us the conclusion, because what we're going to do is we're going to address why there's things that are going on around us that we don't understand, but this is what we're going to come up with. This is the conclusion of how we, as Christians, are supposed to live life. And it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. It simply says, Wherefore, therefore, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, I don't want to, put, I don't want to dig into the context around that. But this is what it just tells us. It says, listen, Christians, as we live our lives, no matter what we do, do it so that God gets the glory from it. Whatever we do, you do all for the glory of 
God. And I was mentioning how hard it was to keep my attention on the message that I had planned. And one of the reasons, because two of our own this morning, or this week, went on to be with the Lord. On Monday morning early, Joanne Anderson, she passed away. She went on to be with the Lord. Saturday morning, Gail Grigger passed away. She went on to be with the Lord. Now, listen. We understand what the Scripture says. Now, before I go much further, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I would just be thrilled if you would start on this right, this the left-hand side right here, if you would start thumbing through and looking these verses up, I would love for you to follow along with me this morning. I, I want you to be able to understand. So if you will just stay two or three scriptures, use your fingers and just take two or three scriptures ahead because some of these I'm going to go through pretty rapidly. But the Bible tells us that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You need to be able to put your hand on it. You need to be able to understand what the Bible says. But it tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.8, those that believe in Jesus as their Savior and have put their faith in Him for salvation, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord, but it still grieves us that they're gone, doesn't it? Now, I want you to know, praise God, hallelujah, that they knew the Lord and we know where they are, but their absence right now today, it grieves us. As a pastor, I'm commonly asked this question in relation to death or sickness. Now, what do you think the question is? Why? I'm asked that question an awful lot. Why does God allow my loved one to be sick? Why does God allow my loved one to have cancer? or to suffer, or to go to the nursing home and be there for years and years and years. If God is such a loving God, then why are children starving in countries around the world? If God is such loving and if God is control, why? There's another answer question. Why? Why, if God is in control, do people come into our schools and into our churches or places of worship? Why do people are allowed to go in there and shoot people and kill them just because they're assembled somewhere. Why does God allow the greatest travesty in America, why does God allow abortions to take place at the rate of 4,000 babies a day? Why does God allow that? Why doesn't God just put a stop to it all? Let me just ask, has anybody ever had those thoughts? Anybody ever wondered why? Well, let me tell you. God said he's going to put a stop to it all. Understand, that is going to happen. As a matter of fact, in 2 Peter 3 and verse 10, it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night into which the heavens shall be passed away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Understand the day is coming and God's going to clean this place up because of the mess that we have put it in. All right? So we need to understand that God is going to take care of that. I, I do want us to understand this, though. As Christians, as believers, 
God says he did not create us for wrath. The Bible tells us that the day is going to come and he is going to take us out of this whole earth and we're going to be spared from the disaster and the, the things that are going to take place on this earth and that's found in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 and 17. He says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. In other words, those who believe and put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. And then when Jesus comes, they have been buried. But when he comes, they are going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Understand, this world is not going to escape the guilt of sin. God's going to stop it. The day is going to come when God says enough is enough, but understand when we have put our faith and trust in the one that he sent to this earth, his son Jesus, to save us from sin, we're not going to have to suffer the results or the consequences of that sin because he has saved us from those consequences of sin. So this morning as we look at this, I want to look at the Bible and I want us to give answer to these things and why they continue to happen to God-fearing Christians just like it happens to unbelievers in the world. Man, I thought when I accepted Jesus, I was going to be saved from the consequences of sin. Let me say that again. I thought that when I got saved, I was going to be exempt from the consequences of sin. But I want you to know I got up this morning and it took me about five minutes sitting on the side of the bed to get my back to stop hurting. And I twisted this way and I twisted this way and I'd stand up and I'd sit down and my back hurt a lot. You, you know what that is? That's the consequences of sin. I thought I was exempt from that. Well, let me tell you, as long as we are in this world, we have not escaped the consequences of sin. But when Jesus saved us, I want you to know we are exempt from the consequences of sin for eternity. So if we ask ourselves, well, Brother Wayne, I thought once I became a believer, I wouldn't have to suffer anything else on this earth. No. As long as you are in this earth, someone else is in charge. And we're going to look at that in just a few minutes. But the reason that the God-fearing Christians, things happen to the God-fearing people just like it does a complete and total unbeliever, it all started in Genesis chapter 3 when we made the choice to rebel and sin against God. Now, I know some of you are sitting there saying, I didn't do that. Well, look, what this is what it says. In Genesis chapter 3, in verse 8, it tells us that God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the evening. And if you'll remember, if you'll remember this event, God came down and he was walking in the garden and he says, Adam, where are you? And he come to have that relationship with Adam. 
that Adam had sinned against God. He said, we hid ourselves because we were naked. He says, well, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I told you not to eat from? From that day forward, sin came into the earth. You'll just take time to read Romans chapter 5. You're going to see that when sin came into the earth, that sin was passed on to every single person that was born of man from then on. We all have a nature to sin in us. Now, don't any of you think for one second that if you had have been in the garden and Satan had have come and confronted you, that you would have not come to the same decision that Adam and Eve did. I want you to know, I don't mind telling you, I'm not going to say a thing to Adam and Eve when I get to heaven because if Wayne and Susie had been in that garden, we'd have made the same decision that they made. All right? Any of us, if we'd have been in that, that situation, you would have made the same decision Adam and Eve has made. And it was because of that choice that the consequences of sin is death. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. Understand this. Every single person in this room is going to die. The wages of sin is death. Now, we understand the spiritual concept of that also. We are, we are spiritually dead because of our sin. The rest of that verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He saves us spiritually. But understand, your body is not going to escape death unless you're here when Jesus comes back. I think we all understand that. The wages of sin is death. And it is because of our choice to sin, us mankind, that sin reigns on the earth and Satan or the devil is the prince of the earth today. I had an opportunity. I was sitting with a group of people the other night. Their loved one was just about to pass. And I said, listen, I'm telling you, I don't have a problem at all putting blame where blame is due. I said, listen, God didn't bring cancer into this world. God didn't bring pneumonia into this world. God didn't bring abuse and hatred and, and, and harm. God, God didn't bring pain into this world. Man, give credit where credit is due. Everything that is good and perfect comes from above. But because of sin is in this world today, we need to understand according to the Word of God who reigns in the world today. Now, now, don't jump to conclusions. When I say who reigns in the world today, God gave mankind dominion over the world. We gave that dominion up when we sinned against God. Who has dominion over the world today? Satan. Okay, don't, don't take my word for it. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. It says, Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world... According to the prince of the power of the air, which is Satan, the spirit that now worketh in the children of, of disobedience. The one that works in the spirit of the children of disobedience is Satan, and you and I walked just like that until we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 6 and 12 says this, 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Who is the ruler of darkness of this world? Satan. He is the one. He is the one that we can point our finger at when our loved one dies and says, You sorry outfit, I hate you, Satan. For bringing this pain and suffering on my love. First Peter 5 and 8 says this. It says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion. Watch this. Walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Walking about where? Right here on this earth. I was sitting there and I was talking to this 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 family group the other day and I said, I said, listen, we need to understand where this cancer comes from and let's make sure we blame who it is that's responsible for that and it is not God. God didn't bring God, God brought salvation. He brought love. That's what God brought. And as I begin to explain to them how sin came into the world and how now sin reigns into the world and that's why there is war and there is hatred. That's why we have the most nuclear weapons in the world today. That's why all these other countries have nuclear weapons. That's why we're always warring against and fighting with one another. It's because of Satan. And a lady stood and sat there and she said, oh, I can't believe it. My husband's been dead for ten years. And I've done nothing but blame God. She said, I finally see the light. I finally understand why my husband has died, passed away. And it is because sin, and it's not God's fault. You're absolutely right. God did not come into the world that we might die. God came into the world to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. God came into the world to give us everlasting life. Not to put us to death. I sent not my son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God sent Jesus that we might be saved. Man, I hope we understand. I don't understand. I think the Bible, when we start looking and putting this, I'm going to call it dot to dot, when we start connecting the dots as to why we face the things that we face in this world today, why they're happening, we understand that it's because of sin that's in the world. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 10, we're speaking about our enemy, the devil. Let me tell you what he's up to right now as I speak. Watch this. Revelation 12 and verse 10 says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Now what he's talking about today is going to come and God's going to hold Satan accountable for what he has done. He's going to cast him into the lake of fire. But he said, listen, for... For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God 
day and night. Understand that your enemy, the Satan, and the devil, is standing before God right now accusing every single one of you of your sins and your downfalls. And he's accusing God and he's saying, God, they deserve to get cancer. God, they deserve for me to bring on this earth this brand new disease that they've never had before. God, you de- they're saying they deserve this. He's accusing us before Almighty God even today. Understand. Oh, this is hard to say. We've got coming what Satan dishes out because of sin. Watch. Watch this. That next verse, 1 John 3 and 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil. Is that you? Anybody in here committed sin? Well, here, let me read this verse again. Let me put you in this category. He that committeth sin is of the devil. That's me. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, or he was made known that he might destroy the works of the devil. I want you to know Jesus Christ destroyed the works of the devil in my life. I asked Jesus to forgive me of this sin that I was in. And he has. He's forgiven me. I now have eternal life. But let me tell you this. I I am not exempt from this earth. I will still suffer the consequences from this earth. I am going to one day, if the Lord doesn't come back, I'm going to get sick and I am going to die. You are going to get sick and you're going to die if Jesus doesn't come back first. And the reason is sin. You know what? I'm beginning to understand. I said I don't understand. I'm beginning to understand why sickness and pain and suffering and heartache is in this earth. And it is. It's because of sin. But I'm beginning to understand I can escape all of that. Not while I'm here on earth, but as soon as I'm out of this world, I want you to know there is no pain, suffering, heartache, disease. It's gone because Jesus saved me from it. Watch this verse. Look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? Who delivered us from the power of darkness? And hath translated us unto the kingdom of his dear son. Jesus delivered me from the power of darkness through Jesus Christ. That's who's delivered me. Jesus Christ has delivered me from the power of this darkness and what Satan would have to be done in my life. So, we've come to this conclusion. Jesus has delivered us from the consequences of sin in eternity but not from this earth. Now, does that make sense? That's why we're all going to die, because we've not been delivered from the consequences of this earth. Now, let me just bring that home for just a second. Do y'all know that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? You know what happened to Lazarus later on? God delivered, God delivered him from the consequences of the disease that he had, but then after he delivered him, because he's still on this earth, he died again. 
And that's what happened to many. Jesus, Jesus brought many people back to life. Remember, remember the, the, the widow that had the son and it was her only son and, and her livelihood depended on the son and, and Jesus had compassion and he went up there and put his hand on the little the boy and he come back to life. Guess what? That boy died later on again because of the consequences of this earth. Matthew chapter 6. I want to make sure that we understand this. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9 and 10. Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. And this is what he says. This is how he says it. And after this morn, this manner therefore pray ye. This is how he says do it. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed or holy be thy name. Then he says pray this. Thy kingdom come. In other words, the kingdom is not here yet. Thy will be done. Your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But you notice what he's saying. He's this prayer. He said, listen, my will is not being done on earth right now as it is in heaven. The day is going to come when Jesus will rule and reign on this earth and there will be no sin there will be no heartache. There will be no disease. That day is yet to come. We are not living in that right now today. In other words, when you pray this prayer, if you are, if you're, if you are saying this model prayer, what you're saying is basically, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Because until Jesus comes back and rectifies this earth, God's will is not going to be done on earth because Satan is because of sin is the one that's controlling what's going on right now. Watch these two verses. Watch these two verses. We use these at Christmas. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. He says right there, and he's given a prophecy, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You shall call his name Emmanuel. Let me ask, has that taken place? Absolutely. Jesus came. They called him the Son of God. They called him Lord God with us. He was in our presence. But now watch this verse in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. What is the punctuation after that? Semicolon. Has the first part of that scripture been fulfilled? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given? Yes. But watch the last part. I, I know we say this at Christmas all the time. But this has not happened yet. And it says, And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. When Jesus came into Jerusalem, the triumphant entry... That is not what they were saying about him. Okay, they did say, hey, this is the Son of God. This is the Messiah. They did, the government was not on his shoulders. In other words, talking about the government being on his shoulders is Jesus is going to be responsible for the government. When Jesus comes and it is all made waste and Jesus comes and rules and reigns as the king... He is going to be on the throne and the government is going to be on his shoulders. 
And everyone that's on this earth are going to be calling him mighty counselor, almighty God. They're going to be calling him a prince of peace, uh, the wonderful counselor, everlasting father. That day hasn't come yet. So understand, when we read this, we're beginning to understand why even believers have to go through some of this pain and suffering and disease and heartache. That's what we need to understand. So this is my question. Maybe this is your question. How will we know how sin is going to affect, affect us while we're here on this earth? How we're going to know? I love this. I love it. It's the last chapter of John. I, I don't know what verse it is. But but God or Jesus is telling Peter, he says, listen, or, and I'm trying to remember if he said this about Peter or John. I can't remember. But this is this is the reference. It says, this is how you're going to be in your age. You're going to be led around by the hand because I guess you're not going to be able to see. Somebody's going to have to take care of you. And then this is the statement. And this is how you will glorify God in your death. This is how you will glorify God in your death. Pretty much helpless and somebody else has to take care of you. But even in your death, you can glorify God. Remember 1 Corinthians 10 and 31? It says, whatsoever you eat, whatsoever you drink, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Man, on my death, that I, I hope and pray that people are seeing and glorifying God, or they see me glorifying God, even in my worst state. That's what he's called me to do. That's what he's called us all to do. So when we see this, he tells us, how is it then, Why? why uh, how is it that we're going to be affected while we're still here on this earth? Why do some believers, unbelievers, live longer and die of a good old age and some believers get cancer and die early or have a tragic accident or something happens? Why is it that we see believers that are putting their faith and trust in God suffer here? I believe the scripture gives us an answer to that. I hope you've already turned there. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. Sorry about that. Now, Solomon is the wisest man that's ever lived, according to the Scripture. Solomon's the wisest. Just what Solomon set out to do. If you've never read the book of Ecclesiastes, I challenge you to read that. This is what he told Solomon he was going to, or Solomon was endeavoring to do. He said, I'm here to figure out the meaning of life. That's what Solomon was doing. And these are some of the conclusions that he came up with. I don't have time to exaggerate on them, on all the things that he found out about, but this is what he said. One of the things I returned and I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to the men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. Listen to this statement. But time and chance happen to us all. Just because you're rich doesn't mean everything's going to go your way. Just because you're poor doesn't mean everything's going against you. Just because you're strong doesn't mean you're going to always win the battle. 
He says time and chance will happen to every single one of us. Believers, unbelievers, we live under the umbrella that sin has affected this, this world and it's going to affect us. Listen to how he, this is the illustration that he uses. For man also knoweth not his time. In other words, we don't know when we're going to die. As the fish that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in a snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. today and I'm driving to town to eat lunch and I'm, I'm caught in a horrible traffic accident and I die, don't think well Brother Wayne must have had some hidden sin that he was living and we didn't know anything about it. No. Understand, it's time and chance. I'm going to glorify God to the bitter end. Whatever, whatever this life brings, I'm going to glorify the Lord. That's what he said. Okay, and it, watch this. This is another observation that he said. In Ecclesiastes 8.14, he says there's something else under the sun that occurs on earth. Righteous men who get what the wicked deserve and wicked men who get what the righteous deserve. To this I say it's meaningless. In other words, have y'all ever seen that? Man alive, it seems like that sorry old sock down there, everything just goes his way. Yeah, I had my last 50 cents and I put it in on the lottery and I didn't win but a million and a half. You know, the wicked get what the righteous deserve. And the righteous get what the wicked deserve. Are you kind of understanding a little bit better? This was the conclusion that Solomon came up with. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Now, all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Trying to, not, trying to find out the meaning of life. He says this, Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. If you're suffering through life, give God the glory. If everything seems to be going your way, give God the glory. So that was the conclusion to it all. I was thinking of this song the other day while we're going through it all listen to the words of this song talking about life okay I've seen the lightning flashing I've heard the thunder roll I've felt since breakers dashing trying to conquer my soul I heard the voice of Jesus bidding me still to fight on. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. Now, do we understand the lightning and the flashing, the thundering roll? That's 
trouble in life. Jesus has promised never to leave us. The world's fierce winds are blowing. Temptation is sharp and keen. I have a peace in knowing that my Savior stands between. He stands to shield me from danger when all my friends are gone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. Another verse that talks about the fierce winds and the temptations in life. Man, that's what we're all facing. When in affliction's valley I tread the road of care, my Savior helps me carry the cross so heavy to bear. Though all around is darkness and earthly joys have flown, my Savior whispers His promise never to leave me alone. Mm. He died on Calvary's mountain For me They pierced his side For me He opened that fountain The crimson cleansing tide For me He's waiting in glory Seated upon his throne while I live here on this earth, he's promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. Now, if you know that chorus, sing with me. No, never alone. No, never alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. No. God, he sent his son Jesus, because if we were going through this world without him today, life would be most miserable. So, my prayer is this morning, we may not